Grace, peace, and mercy is yours in the name of our Lord Jesus. Will you please join me in the call to worship? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Bless the Lord, O my soul.
trusting in God's forgiveness. Let us confess our sin to God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed, and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another. Grace and peace to all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to have you here worshiping with us on this special All Saints Sunday uh, when we celebrate and give thanks for all the faithful saints who have gone ahead of us into the church triumphant. And later in this service today, we will call out the names of the members of our own church family uh, who have entered into Christ's kingdom during these past 12 months uh, of the year. Uh, so we are glad that you are here with us for this special and poignant day. I know that for many of you it can be a challenge um, as you are still grieving the loss of those you have loved, but it's also a day of celebration and hope, uh, knowing that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and because he lives, we know that we shall live also. A uh, special welcome to any of you who happen to be visiting with us today. We are glad that you are here. As always, uh, welcome to those of you joining us online, wherever you might happen to be. If at some point you're able to reach near the center of the aisle there, we have these friendship pads sitting there. If you would take those, fill those out, and pass those to one another, 
so that we might know that you are here worshiping with us today. Uh, Just a a few things to remind you about. One, today is the beginning of our November organ recital series. Uh, It will start this afternoon at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Alcee Chris III will be our special guest organist. He is the university organist and artist in residence at Wesleyan University. Uh, So we hope that you will come be a part of that. This is totally free, uh, so feel free to invite your friends and anyone else who would like to come. Also, we'd love to invite you on Tuesday evening here to the church uh, for a special opportunity to hear from our juniors and seniors in our youth program uh, who will be reporting on the youth grant team proposals. Uh, The foundation sets aside money each year for some of our high school kids to get to do some research and and go do some site visits and learn about some wonderful organizations and then together they decide how they want to divvy out that money to the mission of Jesus Christ. And they're going to be uh, presenting on Tuesday at 6 p.m. in Highland Hall. So it'd be a wonderful way for us to show our support for them and the work that they have done and their importance in our church family to go and hear from them on Tuesday evening. Also, a week from this coming Thursday... November 17th will be our next IPC Connect event. Uh, That's going to take place out at Kirkwood by the river. Uh, There's going to be a special wine tasting and food pairing event that will go on. It's from 5.30 to 7.30. Just $15 a person. You can register online on the website to sign up to be a part of that. Uh, It'll give you a wonderful opportunity not only to have some good fellowship and some good food and wine, uh, but a chance to see the new construction that's been done out at Kirkwood that hopefully we'll get a chance to to walk through and see some of that while we're there. So uh, we hope you'll go on and sign up to be a part of IPC Connect next Thursday the 17th. Also, we're continuing our Harvest for Hunger season, so I hope that you're filling up those grocery bags with the items on the tags there. We hope that you have those back here by November 20th uh, so we can get them to those who are in need. And also don't forget about the Holiday House tickets that have gone on sale this past week. Uh, The tea and the tour will take place on December 10th. Uh, You can sign up for all that online. Also just want to share with you some sad news in the life of our church. Uh, One of our long-term members, a member for almost 50 years, Aubrey Ross, uh, died just these last uh, couple of days. Uh, There's going to be reception with her family on Wednesday from 11 to 1 at Ridout's Valley Chapel in Homewood. Again, that's Wednesday from 11 to 1. I also want to say just a quick word of thanks to everyone who has already turned in a pledge uh, for 2023. Uh, We've had a wonderful response so far. We're already more than halfway to our goal uh, for the year, so we're really excited and hopeful uh, that we're going to get there. And I just want to say thanks to everyone who's jumped in on that. If you have not yet turned in a pledge card, we hope that you are praying about that and we'll submit one soon. Actually, we would love... Uh, if you have not yet done so, if you would bring your pledge next Sunday, November 13th, uh, when we will dedicate our pledges uh, to the mission of Jesus Christ in the coming year. Uh, So we hope that you'll bring that in next week. If you can't get it in by then, that's okay. We'll take them whenever they come, but but we hope you'll have it in uh, by next week. And um, at this point, uh, oh, and if, if, you, if you need a pledge card, we have some out in the Narthex there, and there are some at the information desk, but you can also access it online and do it there as well. Uh, and at this point, I'd like to invite up our vice president, Barry Delosier, for a brief moment about stewardship. Any of us who grew up with siblings had to face one of life's most valuable lessons early on, sharing. My brother, my Irish twin brother, who's 11 months older than I am, gave me scars all over my body that serve today as reminders of how challenging some of those early lessons can be. 
I'm not sure at what age we discovered that sharing did not mean losing. In fact, it expanded our small world and it benefited our relationship. Jim's Hot Wheels track was still intact. Mine wasn't. My Matchbox car still had wheels. Jim's didn't. Today, we share hospitality in each other's homes, a lot of laughs, a lot of prayer requests, and some tough theological questions. I'm grateful for his continued witness and for those early lessons we shared on sharing. Fast forward 30 years and I find myself as the father of two sons and I watch some familiar battles take place and some fresh scars form, but this time from a different perspective. This time I feel joy and gratitude whenever I see my boys voluntarily take turns, share a prized possession, or put their brother's needs ahead of their own. I'm sure my parents felt the same way. Everything that I battled with my brother over, they had given us. I had not done anything to deserve it, except maybe love the giver. If we profess that we love God, shouldn't we feel compelled to share what he has entrusted to us? All that we have has been a gift. As we mature in our faith, shouldn't our gratitude reflect our love for Jesus Christ? My prayer for this Thanksgiving stewardship season is that you will say yes to pledging to your brothers and sisters here at IPC and sharing in the work that God has for us to do. We're a family and we're in this together. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Now as we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious God, by your word you provide all we need for salvation, for wholeness, for abundant life. Now draw us close in your spirit so that we may discover your will and live according to your purposes. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. First scripture is from the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Listen now for the word of God. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into the one body, and be thankful. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please be seated. This morning we are concluding our sermon series, Family Matters, as we wrap up the story of Joseph and his brothers. Hear now the word of the Lord as it comes to us from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and rule over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after this, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds, that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Families are complicated. They are such an incredible gift, and yet no one can hurt you like your family can. And none of us gets to choose the family into which we are born. Some of us may even wish we could have a do-over. After all, not all of us are born into families of privilege where we get all kinds of opportunities and, and benefits without ever having to worry about being in need. Not all of us are born into families where God is at the center, 
where we learn how much we are loved and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Not all of us are born into families that model grace and faithfulness and sacrificial love. But for the first 17 years of Joseph's life, I'll bet he thought that he had it pretty good, that he had won the family lottery. After all, he was the golden child in his family. As their father, Jacob, loved him more than all of his other brothers, Jacob even gave him a special robe with long sleeves that no one else received. But when Joseph's jealous brothers sold him into slavery, sending him far away from his father's love, despite his anguished pleas, I'll bet that Joseph began to reevaluate his situation, wishing that he were part of any other family but his. Perhaps some of you can empathize with Joseph's situation. Perhaps you too lost a parent far too soon as a result of death or divorce or disease or addiction. Perhaps you too have family members who you struggle to love and even to deal with because they're just so difficult. Maybe they have even hurt you so much that you don't know how you will ever get past it. And maybe you too struggle with bitterness and anger as a result. But as this story makes clear, and it is our family story, that even when things seem to be at their worst, we have a God who continues to work in mysterious ways, bringing healing and reconciliation and reunion to our broken lives and our broken families. Of course, it would be a long time before Joseph realized any of this. 22 years, in fact. And during that time, I'll bet that Joseph stewed quite a bit over what his brothers had done to him. Probably imagining all the ways that, that he could get back at them if he got the opportunity. Not that he ever would. But how else do you pass the time when you're a slave in a foreign land? Well, he did do one other thing. He remained focused on God. I mean, it was all he had left. The God of Abraham and Isaac and his father Jacob. And I'm pretty sure that Jacob must have shared with his favorite son the promises that God had given to him many years earlier, also in a dream, when Jacob had been on the run from his brother Esau. God said, know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I'll bet Joseph clung to those words for dear life and that they sustained him and allowed him to make it through. And the Lord blessed all that Joseph did. In fact, Joseph's master even placed him in charge of his entire household. A couple years later, however, 
after Joseph was falsely accused of misbehaving towards his master's wife, Joseph found himself being thrown into prison. He had thought being sold into slavery was bad, but now his life had truly hit rock bottom. Surely his life was now over. The truth is, sooner or later we all come to a rock bottom place in life. It may not even because of been because of something that you have done. Maybe you hit rock bottom when your boss came into your office one day and said, unfortunately, we're having to downsize, and I'm sorry your job's been eliminated. Maybe you hit rock bottom when you found out that your spouse was cheating on you, or when you received a frightening diagnosis, or when you discovered that someone dearly beloved to you had an addiction. Or maybe the addiction was yours, and it has already cost you almost everything. Or maybe you hit rock bottom when that person whose love lit up your world was taken away from you. Whatever it was, this is not how you dreamed your life would go. In fact, it may even have felt as if your life was over, like you'd been thrown into prison. But as Joseph discovered we have a God who even in the rock bottom places of our lives comes and meets us there and brings new life where there only appears to be death and God met Joseph in that prison And he blessed him and even gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer so that he put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it prosper. He even gave him the ability to interpret the dreams of his fellow prisoners. Well, two years later, Pharaoh himself would have a couple of dreams that no one in all the kingdom was able to interpret. Suddenly, somebody remembered that there was that that young Hebrew slave down in the prisons who had that ability. And so Pharaoh summoned Joseph. And he was able to explain both of Pharaoh's dreams to him. Saying that, that there was going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And that Pharaoh should begin saving up food now for the hard years to come. And Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph that he made him second in command over all of Egypt to oversee that work. And so for seven years, Joseph stored up enormous amounts of grain. And because they worked hard during the good years, there was plenty of food to be had when famine struck. And therefore, all the world came to Egypt, desperately searching for sustenance. You know, it's always amazing to me how often people wait 
until famine strikes in their life before they begin desperately searching for divine sustenance. But you cannot be sustained on an empty spiritual tank. And one of the reasons we keep urging you to deepen your faith and to grow in your relationship with Jesus through worship and studying God's Word and, and, and Bible studies and Sunday school classes and grace groups through prayer and, and devotional time with God is so that when famine comes into your life, and it will come, you have silos full of God's love and mercy and grace and promises that will be able to sustain you and carry you through just as it did for Joseph. Well, one day, a couple of years into the famine, a group of ten men arrived in Egypt in order to buy grain from Joseph. And suddenly he realized that they were his older brothers. And they all come and bow down before him just like that dream he had had so many years before. However, they do not recognize him because he is no longer the same boy they had so callously sold into slavery. But all those feelings of bitterness came rushing back like a tidal wave. And so like a cat playing deadly games with helpless mice, Joseph begins to terrorize his brothers, accusing them of being spies come to check out the land. So he takes Simeon as a hostage. And he sends them back to Canaan to go retrieve their youngest brother Benjamin and return with him in order to prove that they're not actually spies and are telling the truth. So they do come back with Benjamin and Joseph releases Simeon. He fills all their bags full of grain and sends them on their way. But he secretly has hidden his own silver cup inside Benjamin's bag. And then he sends his steward after them to catch the culprit in the act of stealing. Well, when they open up Benjamin's bag and discover the cup, the brothers are all devastated because they know that their father would not survive the loss of Rachel's only other son. And so they all together go back to Joseph who demands to know why they would ever do such a thing to him. After all, didn't they know how powerful he was? We always love to flex our muscles when we've been hurt, don't we? And yet, despite all of his great power, Apparently, Joseph was still a slave. He was a slave to his bitterness, even after all these years. As Craig Barnes writes, just because we recover from the adversity that others have caused us does not mean we have recovered from the hurt. That will require forgiving. And clearly, these are not the actions of a man who has made peace with his past. They're the actions of a man who wants a little payback. 
But Joseph found no joy in it. No one ever does. But then Judah, the brother who had suggested that they sell Joseph in the first place, the one whom Joseph had probably stewed over the most these last 22 years, he comes to Joseph and he makes a humble and anguished plea offering his own life in place of Benjamin's so that their father might not die of grief. After all, his other favorite son was already dead. And deeply touched by Judah's sacrificial love for his father and his youngest brother, Joseph's bitter heart was finally broken into. And overcome by emotion, Joseph orders all of his servants to leave. And he begins to weep so loudly that all of Pharaoh's household could hear. It was the sound of forgiveness. Of Joseph letting go of his hurt. And being set free from the prison of anger and bitterness that had held him captive for all those many years. Lewis Meads has written that you know that you have fully forgiven others when you no longer view them as the ones who have hurt you and instead view them as the ones who need you. They do not need you to take care of them or to fix them or to solve their problems. What they need is for you to free them. But only someone who was already free is able to do that for others. And Joseph is finally free. He no longer has the need to to strike back at his brothers. Instead, he just wanted to love them. And to be a part of his family once again. And so Joseph reveals himself at last to his 11 brothers. And he invites them all to come closer. But the brothers are are stunned. I mean, how could the dead one be alive? And they are terrified. For they know that their sin stands between them. I mean, they had betrayed him. They had abandoned him. Surely Joseph would seek payback for what they had done to him. But Joseph assures his brothers, saying, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. For God refused to let their sin have the last word. Instead, God used it to put Joseph in Egypt so that he might save them all, so that his family might live.
You know, I suspect that when Jesus first appeared to his 11 disciples after his resurrection, that they must have felt much like Joseph's 11 brothers did, terrified and overwhelmed with guilt. After all, they had all betrayed and abandoned him, but, but they were sure that he was dead. I mean, how could the dead one be alive? And yet there he was in the flesh right before them, offering them his peace, refusing to let the sin that stood between them have the last word. For God had used it to put Jesus on that cross where he took on all of our sin and all of our guilt, dying so that we, his family, might live. And on that cross, Jesus cried out with his last breath, saying, It is finished. That was the sound of God forgiving you. And Jesus is inviting all of us to come closer, to receive his peace, and to be set free. Regardless of whatever you may have done or whatever may have been done to you. For as the Apostle Paul assures us, our God is able to work all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Now that doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. But it does mean that God is able to use even your sins and your mistakes as well as the sins and the mistakes of others. To bring healing and reconciliation and new life where there only appears to be famine and death. Because the crucified one is alive indeed and he has come to set you free from your prisons of bitterness and guilt. That's what the gospel is all about. And it's our family story. And the story continues every time we set others free by offering them the same peace and mercy and grace that we have so freely received in Jesus Christ. Of course, as Lewis Meads has also said, when you forgive, you set a prisoner free. But then you discover that the prisoner was you. So don't you think it's about time to walk out of your prison and live? Amen. I invite you now to stand in body or in spirit as we express our unity with the church of all ages by professing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, 
the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And now with gladness, let us present the fruits of our life and labor to the Lord. Gracious God, you have given us more mercy than we could imagine and more blessings than we deserve. Receive now these gifts as tokens of our gratitude to you, that your mercy may be multiplied and your blessings abound to embrace all who's in need. For all the saints of every age, especially ours, we give you our gratitude and praise. And we remember them this day because of you in them. Amen.
We come to this table, not because it itself is so special, but because it's an echo of another table. A table that stretches as far as the eye can see. A table that's laden with God's good gifts for us. A table where no one goes hungry, no one sits alone. A table where everyone we ever loved and everyone who ever loved us sits and feasts together. In our own lives, we sit at tables where there are empty chairs. People we love and miss. People who no longer stop by for dinner or come over for the holidays. We grieve those empty chairs, but know that in Christ, our separation is only a temporary thing. For all those we have mentioned here and so many others have gathered with us at this table. And we join with all the saints in praising Jesus Christ who defeated death and leads us all to God's heavenly banquet. All are welcome here. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us give God our thanks and praise. There we go. It is indeed right to give our thanks and praise to you, the God of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau. Rachel and Leah, Joseph, priests and prophets, martyrs and apostles, and ordinary unknown saints. You are the God of our mothers and fathers and our children to all generations. You, everlasting one, made us all and continue to love us, even when we deny our godly heritage. Still, you call us home to you, through saints dedicated to your will. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with all the people of faith of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. God, for sending us your Son. He lived among us and told your story. He healed the sick and welcomed sinners. He shared our pain and died our death, then rose to new life that we might live and all creation be restored. 
Remembering your boundless love revealed to us in Jesus Christ, we break bread and share the cup, giving ourselves to you to live for him in joy and praise. Great is the mystery of faith. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, and that we may be his body for the world. By your Spirit, unite us with Christ and one another, until we feast with him and with all your saints at God's great family reunion, through Christ, with Christ, in Christ. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. As our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, and you are among the blessed people of God. The body of Christ, given for you.
the cup of salvation given for you.
Let's pray. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
If all the saints who from their labors rest could speak to us today, I'm sure that they would tell us that this life is far too precious and far too short to hold on to our bitterness and our guilt. Besides, Jesus won't allow it at the family reunion. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.